invested into us breath and life. He has invested into us the ability to speak his word, to walk into his situation and be his hands and feet. Amen. We are life. We are breath to this generation. Lift your voice. Everyone say amen. 
what a great, great God we serve. I want everyone to stand. Worship team, thank you for leading us into the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, everybody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Well, welcome on this Father's Day. It's good to have Jennifer Harwell home this week and her daughters. Amen. I understood that John flew back yesterday. Always good to see these folks. And uh, this coming Saturday, Chase uh, McClendon and Rebecca Kelly will be joined in marriage. A wonderful occasion here at the church. And just good to see each and every one and especially to welcome our mayor and his family. And God bless you for being in worship with us today. Let's give him a hand and we love and esteem and appreciate what a great job he's doing in the city. Amen. All right, turning the scriptures to Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. I'm going to read it from the screens in the message version. We're going to finish up this series next Sunday. We're in the third part, and it's called Generous. And it's not about money, but it can be, but it hasn't been. And it's not today about money, but it's about the heart and the soul of the matter. Proverbs eleven twenty four. Now, this verse tells you how you can expand your world. You can either see your world shrink and shrivel up, or you can see your world. God makes a covenant promise throughout the scriptures. Now, remember how I showed you in part two that the word love is found so many hundreds of times. The word grace is found so many hundreds of times in the scripture. The word prayer is found 700 times. But the word give is found more than any other word more than any other word in the scriptures, it's found over 2,100 times. There is something God is trying to transmit and help us to grab hold of. There is a principle that he sets in order. And Proverbs eleven twenty four says that the world of the generous, God will make this happen, will grow larger and larger. But the world of the stingy grows smaller and smaller. This needs to become what is called a rhema word to all of us. A rhema word is when a light bulb comes on concerning the scripture and all of a sudden that, that takes root in your spirit and you know, wow, that truth is for me. It's become a rhema word. And the world, the Bible says that the world of the generous, God's gonna cause that world to expand. It's a law, it's a principle that you can live your life by. And the world of the stingy will contract or grow smaller and smaller, tighter and tighter. You may be seated. At the very outset of humankind, what does God do in Genesis 1 at the very outset? He decrees over mankind. He says, be fruitful and multiply. So what's God's will and intent for everyone? Be fruitful. Be multiplying. That's why I believe we've got what we got going on around here. Amen. There's always babies being born at Evangel Temple. <laughs> Hallelujah. We built all the new nurseries in kids' town, and, and, and they say, build it, and they'll come. I'm telling you, we, we had them coming before we built it. Amen. Because we believe that scripture to be true. Be fruitful and multiply. 
But not just in the area of having children. In Genesis 8, God sets in order the law. He says, as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and there will be harvest. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, he that sows sparingly shall reap sparingly. He that sows bountifully shall reap bountifully. He goes on to say that God will give a sowing person, he'll even give the sower seed. Amen. If you've got a sowing nature, a giving nature in life, and there again, we're not talking about money. We're talking about just the generosity of our lives, the essence of our lives being lived so that we make a difference in the world around us. And I have here my little pouch of seeds that I, I go to my little garden and I take the seeds out and I plant. These seeds in this pouch will never germinate and spring forth and bring forth a harvest. As long as I keep these seeds here, I've got corn, I've got uh, string beans, I've got squash, I've got tomato seed, I've, I've got cucumbers, okra, all of these seeds, some flower seeds, all of this in this pouch. But until I take the seed and put it in soil, it never germinates. I told you in part two how that I took the cucumbers and squash out and I planted them just a little late and they were a little late coming up out of the ground. And I, I went out several uh, days there and nothing seemed to be happening. And the Holy Spirit reminded me, just because you don't see the seed working below the ground, it's still working. There's a germination process. There's a breaking forth from the kernel. Uh, the, the seed has got to be planted in the ground and die. And then uh, life begins to ebb. Uh, there's a word here, friends, uh, that God wants us to grab hold of, that our lives are not to be lived unto ourselves. The word generous, by definition, de definition means the quality of being plentiful, living a large life, learning to be liberal towards. I love this definition. It means living an open-handed life. The world of the stingy contracts around them. But the open hand, the giving hand, the helping hand, the blessing hand, your hands were made not to be put in your pockets, but your hands were made uh, to be hands of the master extended to a lost and a hurting world. Everybody ought to say amen. It means to be abundant toward. If you go to Wikipedia, even one of the definitions there talks about... Uh, the, the food portions being extra large to people. Generous food portions. I, I thought of Joseph when he came back, um, when, when you know, he went through all of his trials for over 20 years, sold into slavery by his own brothers. If you've ever been done wrong uh, by someone, maybe you can relate to this. But Joseph is done wrong by his family, he sold into slavery, but God knew where Joseph was. Don't ever lose sight. God's your provider, not man. And in due course of time, God advances Joseph to the second in the land under Pharaoh only. And Joseph's brothers in the time of severe famine uh, come to Joseph and there they are in front of them. And Joseph, being a generous man, he has all of his brothers seated at a table uh, banqueting them. But Benjamin, his youngest brother, I reread this this week. He gave a Benjamin's portion. I want somebody to claim this. 
He gave Benjamin five times what he gave the other brothers. Amen. I think there's a word you can get in there and dig that out. Amen. A five-time proportion over what the other brethren gave. But Joseph took care of Benjamin, and God took care of Joseph. You can grow your world by learning to live a generous life. In 41 years of ministry at Evangel Temple, I have never heard someone come to the end of life and celebrate being tight and stingy. Not one time. And I've been with so many people through those last weeks and hours of their life here on earth. And I've heard people celebrate about a lot of things, but I've never heard them celebrate having lived a tight life, a stingy life. I've celebrated with many a person, though, having lived a life of generosity. And we're not talking about money. We're talking about just their life was an, an essence of Christ, a giving life, a blessing life, a being in people's lives to make a difference. Expand your world by learning to live a generous life. Generous, generosity makes our lives move forward. One of the great life coaches and our mentor, our spiritual father of this house, Pastor Cecil passed into heaven 12 weeks ago yesterday morning. And I want to tell you, he lived a great life of generosity. And we honor him today on Father's Day. Amen. I want to pay public tribute to a man that was honorable, a man that lived a generous life. Did not have a lot of this world's good, but I'm telling you, he had a lot to give, and he gave a lot. Proverbs 11.25 says that the generous will prosper. That literally means in the Hebrew that God's going to push them forward. Now, my last name is Wiggins, in case you didn't know. Amen. W is at the end of the alphabet almost. Always growing up, Wiggins was one of the last to get called. I, just time they got to W, whatever, you know, all the team was picked, whatever. I mean, W's at the end of the line. But God knows how to take people that are at the end of the line. And Proverbs says the generous will get blessed. And it literally means I'm going to push you forward to the front of the line. Hallelujah. I went to a local restaurant where there were probably 200 people in front of me. I just got to the back of the line like is normal, what we all should do. The proprietor of the restaurant was walking by. He said, you don't belong back there. Come with me. He marched me right by 200 people in front of me. And I said, favor's not always fair. <laughs> Hallelujah. You say, Pastor, did you let it? I did. Amen. <laughs> but that's exactly what the Hebrew means in Proverbs eleven twenty five. 25. God's going to push you forward. Some of us just need a helping hand in life. I, I want to I believe that the helping hand that I need and that I'm grabbing hold to is the helping hand of Abba Father, one who cares for his children. <laughs> Point number one. I want to talk to you about it's a heart thing. Generosity truly is a heart thing. When God measures generosity in our lives, he doesn't just measure our pocketbook, he measures our soul. 
Proverbs 4.23 says, out of the heart, every issue of life flows. Out of the heart, the abundance of the mouth, of the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Every issue comes from the heart. Matthew 6.21 says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Psalm 51.10, create in me a pure heart and renew a right spirit in me. Philippians 4, 7, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds by Christ Jesus. Psalm 24, 4 says, who shall see God? Those that have clean hands and a pure heart. Everybody say pure heart. Psalm 26, 2 says, test me, O Lord, try me, examine my heart. I, I want to tell you, when God's looking for generosity, he's not just looking at the wallet, he's looking at the state of the heart. How is your soul, sir? How is your soul, dad? The state of our heart. Some of us need a heart transplant on Father's Day, amen, because all of the issues come out of the heart. Maybe your heart's been very small. I want to challenge you on Father's Day to allow the Holy Spirit to expand generosity in your life. We've all got to stand before God someday. Amen? And God is examining our hearts. True generosity in life comes not because of legalism, not because of tradition, but it comes because of a generous spirit back towards God. It's a heart matter. Luke 6, 38, and I want to go to this very quickly. Last week we talked with you about verse 38, but I want to expand that uh, from verse 38 because last week we were talking about how that Jesus said, give and it will be given back. It is just a response that happens that God wills it so that when you give, it's coming back. And he says it's not only coming back, but it's coming back pressed down, shaken together, running over. And then he says with the same, remember I illustrated this last week? The same instrument that you give out with. If you're a teaspoon Christian and you give out with a teaspoon, that's what God's word says. I'm going to give it back into your life. I want to tell you, there are a lot more blessings than just financial blessings in life. Amen. And God says, whatever instrument you use, I'm going to use the same instrument. And I showed you a double shovel at, at last week. Amen. Well, but there's other, another part of this that Jesus sets the stage for that. And he says, as you would that men should do to you, do ye likewise to them. If you love those that love you, what thank have you? Sinners even do that. If you do good to those that do good to you, what thank have you? Sinners do the same. If you lend to those hoping to receive, what difference is that from what the sinners are doing? Love your enemies. I'm talking about the laws of Christ now. Do good to them that persecute you. To those that would do all manner of evil against you. The word of God, the Lord Jesus says that, friends, we've got to bless those that would seek our harm. It's a whole different posture of life. It's living a generous life, even to those that would abuse us and do us wrong. Jesus came not to be served, but he came to serve. And he came to provide his life a ransom for many. He says, judge not that you be not judged. Oh, it got quiet right there. 
Wow, I didn't even get one amen or a holy grunt on that one. Listen, we set our, ourselves in seats of judgment far too often, amen? Don't condemn, lest you be condemned. Forgive, for you have been forgiven. Those are the laws of Christ. Point number two, I want to hasten to this point. It's a God thing to be generous. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God is a giving father. He's a good, good father. He's an extravagant father in giving towards his people. He gave heaven's best when he gave Jesus to be the slain lamb of God. You know, Jesus tells an amazing story just before his crucifixion. Now, go with us to Israel and up on the Mount of Olives, there's some small villages, and one of those villages is Bethany. Jesus loved Bethany. That's where Mary and Martha lived. And from Bethany, you can look down into the old city. You can see the Temple Mount. It's one of the most, in fact, many of the pictures you see are from that position right there near Bethany on the Mount of Olives that you see of the Temple Mount. And there in Bethany, Jesus goes to the home and he, he, he talks about two people that are with him right there in that setting. It's an amazing story found in John chapter 12 in eight verses. Jesus talks about two different people in eight verses. He talks about Mary and he talks about Judas. And he contrasts both of them as, as he's relating how important this generous thing is. He talks about Mary how that she took one pound of spikenard. And it was very costly. It was very expensive. And she broke that pound of, of fragrance over the feet of Christ. And she washed his feet and, and rubbed his feet and wiped his feet with her own hair. And that fragrance, which was very costly. Judas in the same setting. And Jesus talks about both. This is amazing. Because he contrasts both of them. And Judas, who he identifies, who would betray me. Boy, that's the first thing. He identifies what the heart of the matter. Already had an evil heart. He was going to betray the master. But then Judas is saying, that needs to be given to the poor. And Jesus said, you weren't even going to give to the poor because you're a thief. I'm telling you, it goes to the heart of the matter, whether we out of a heart of gratitude that God has been uh, so good to us, that God has been rich in mercy, that the grace of God has come to us when we did not deserve God's grace. I want to remind each and every person under the sound of my voice, as I did in the early service, I want to remind you that none of us are saved by our good works. We're all a product of God's grace and mercy in our lives. Hallelujah. And Judas was a thief and he didn't even help the poor. It wasn't about the poor. He didn't want Mary spending that money on Christ. Listen, God blesses the generous. And we had a spiritual father that lived that out. And we honored him, Pastor Cecil. But I looked at King David this week and studied his life. David did not live to see the temple built but he gave vast sums of money. He was generous so that the plans were in place and the financing was in place. 
Solomon, his son, got to build the temple. I want you to watch this. And Solomon, on the first day, sacrifices 1,000 bulls. And because of the extravagant, watch this. This is very important. The extravagant generosity that Solomon shows in the first day of worship in the newly built temple, God comes to him that night and God says to Solomon, ask anything you want to ask. The giving of Solomon had positioned him for the generosity of heaven. Now you can catch that or you can say, oh me, amen. But I'm telling you, God blesses the generosity of people, amen. The whole Bible is about this. Point number three, I'm headed somewhere. Point number three, it's not only a heart thing, it's not only a God thing, it's a church thing. I want everyone at Evangel Temple and everyone watching online to understand, to the core of my being, I believe it's all about the church. There is only one entity, only one entity, that Jesus said hell will never prevail against, and that's the church. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. I believe if you tie your life to the Lord's church, you're tying to something that has guaranteed success. I believe if you tie your family, why does the devil want people out of church, disconnected from the house of God? Because the church is the one entity that heaven promises that Jesus made a commitment concerning that hell cannot ever overcome or prevail against. The devil doesn't want your family connected to church because of that promise. Listen, we, we get a new washing machine and you take out a warranty. And when that warranty runs out, I get a protection plan. I know that we're going to use the washing machine. With all these grandkids, amen, it gets a workout. And it gets tore up and broke down, and I'm not a serviceman. But I call up and I say, hey, I've got a protection plan. My wash machine is covered. I want you to send somebody out here and get this thing fixed quick. Amen. And that protection plan guarantees that it's going to get back in working order. I want to tell you that there is one entity that heaven says uh, uh, there's a protection plan written over. That if you'll tie your family, tie your life, tie your business, everything about you to the Lord's church. It's not going on. I don't care how bad things get. I can show you down through the centuries of mankind. The church has been around and it ain't going anywhere, baby. Because heaven guarantees it. A few days and a few hours before my dad was promoted, I showed him this axe. And we began to talk about this axe. I hadn't thought about this axe, but... My nine-year-old grandson, Zachary, Friday, said, Dad, or Granddad, tell me about that axe. And then I remembered the conversation that I'd had with my dad about this axe a few hours before he is promoted. I've had this axe over 40 years. 
and use it just around the house and splintering up some kindling wood to start a fire for the fireplace or just whatever. And I showed my dad this ax just before the Lord called him to his eternal reward. And uh, back in January, we had one of those really cold snaps and it was very frigid and I had left it in the garage on the concrete floor and I, I went out, picked it up and I was just gonna shave off some uh, kindling wood to start the fire in the fireplace. I like to build a fire on those cold mornings and sit there uh, with my scriptures and my cup of coffee, amen. I can get blessed, amen. But anyway, I, I put it right there and I hit right on the top where you're supposed to hit with a hammer just to shave off and this thing broke. I mean, it broke right in half and I thought, this is crazy. That is a solid piece of steel. And so I called Monroe up. I said, Monroe. And he, he's a plant manager of a big company here. And they, they weld these massive tanks. And, and I said, I need you to fix this and weld this for you. Well, in, in taking it from me, they began to look at the steel that this was made out of. And it has some stamps on it. And they began to look at the history. And I've just been beating on this thing. I'm using it for whatever, amen. And found out that the company that made this steel went out of business in 1900. So it's over 118 years old. The, the company went out of business. And the stamps are still there. And so he welded it up and told me, he said, it's, it's stronger than it was ever. Is that right? Stronger than it was ever. Amen. So I can go back to you. I was showing my dad this. And uh, began to talk about the age of that. And the Holy Spirit, when I was looking at this with Zachary Friday, dropped this in my spirit. But a lot of times we come to Christ in the brokenness of our life. Life had handed us a lot of issues, a lot of problems. Maybe you were, I had a man come this week. He said, Pastor, he was in the early service. He said, Pastor, You'll never understand what it means to grow up without a dad in your life. He said, I had no father at all. No father influence. That made me so appreciative. But it also gave a sense of responsibility to those hundreds of kids that were around here this week. But we come with our brokenness. And I'm telling you, God can put us back together. And where he welds us up and where he pieces us back together is stronger than it ever was. And sir, you may not feel like much on a Father's Day. Maybe you botched it. Maybe you missed some golden opportunities. Maybe you've been like this with God. Father's Day can represent a change in your life. I took this yesterday because it didn't have an edge on it. So I went out and put an edge on my hatchet, on my ax. And I took some paper last night and it's sharp enough. I'm not going to try to shave with it. But it's sharp enough to cut paper. I want to tell you, God is good at taking our brokenness. And where men have lost the edge in life. Listen, your hands will never do it for you, sir. Your innate ability. I know you're gifted. I know you, you've got a lot going for you. But at some point in life, you're going to realize I need God in my life.
I've been trying to do this thing on my own and all I've got is a broken piece of steel. But let me tell you on this Father's Day morning that God knows how to weld us up, put us back together. When we've been Jeremiah's broken piece of pottery, God can put us on the wheel again and reshape our lives and remold us into something that's useful for the kingdom of God. I want every man to stand. Every man, not just dads. Every man. So I talked with dad about this piece of steel. And sir, the Holy Spirit wants me to remind you you're not in this life by accident. There's a purpose. God has a purpose for every man, woman, boy, and girl. He created us to fulfill his divine destiny, his purpose for our lives, to make a difference, to live a life beyond ourselves, to understand what generosity of life means, being magnanimous in life, just to people and to, you know, there's a lot of hurting people, a lot of needy people. I meet people all the time and just take time with people and love on people. Don't brush people aside because every person matters to Christ. You matter to Christ and every other person matters to Christ. And when the church understands this concept that we're called to love on a hurting world, a world that's been pushed down, a world that's been broken, and the steel of their life has been broken. I'm here to declare, I know the answer and I know the solution well because of what he's done in my life, in your life. And I wanna give a spiritual call, a prayer over this group, and then we're gonna play Pastor Cecil's final act of 66 years of pulpit ministry, 53 years in this city. But the last thing he did two weeks before he was promoted, he spoke the ironic blessing over this church. And I believe in the blessing. So I'm going to play that after this final prayer. But I want every man to come stand here at the front and I want to pray over you. Come on. Come. Worship team. Amen. Hallelujah. Now there's a story in the scriptures under Elisha where the sons of the prophets came to Elisha and they said, Elisha, we need to build a bigger building. I'm looking forward to the day that the sons of the prophets come say, hey, we got to build. They came to Elisha and they said, we got to build a bigger building. And so Elisha says, well, let's get all the men together. Let's go down to the Jordan and let's start hewing the timber, getting the big logs for the beams. And one of the men with a borrowed ax chopping alongside the river, the ax head flies off and goes in the water. And Elisha says, no worry. He just takes the handle and throws in the water and the axe head swims. Pastor, that's impossible. I've come up in here on a Father's Day Sunday to remind you that what is impossible with 
men is not impossible with God. That he's still the God that can change things around. He can do miracles in your home, in your family, in your life. Don't you limit God. Don't you limit what the Lord wants to do. It's time to release the axe handle though into the water and watch God of miracles cause axe heads to swim. I want to preach a message when axe heads swim. Because I still believe in the God of all possibilities. I do not want us to limit God. I want us to have great faith in God in this hour. We haven't seen anything yet with people that will dare to trust and believe in God. But men who understand we bring our brokenness and our cracks and our mars. But we still got the imprint and we still have the label upon our life. His imprint, His label. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want everyone to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I confess your Lordship. I ask you to come into my heart and life and be my Savior. I confess my sins. Today, with your help, I commit my life to being a follower, a disciple, one who obeys your commands. Help me to live for you. In your name I pray. Amen. I want to give a challenge, and we're going to play the blessing. I want to challenge you to be a disciple of Christ. You know, when you, when you come to Jesus, you're a Christian. You get born again. You're Christ-like. But that's baby steps. That's the first step. A disciple, he told us to go and make disciples. That's a whole different level. He called 12 disciples. He called 70 other disciples. It's a different level of commitment. As I said, my whole life is lived according to beliefs, core beliefs that I have. That's how I live my life. Those beliefs guide me day in, day out, my core beliefs. And you're called to be a disciple of Christ. Point number one. Point number two, live a generous life. Let generosity fill your life. Three, be an armor bearer. I watched my dad's last sermon. I'm going to play the blessing, but I watched the whole message. And in that message, he was talking about Benaniah. And Benaniah was one of the armor bearers for King David. And he jumped down in a pit on a snowy day when there was a lion that needed to be slain. I love that. He looked at two men from Moab who were valiant warriors. And it says they had lion-like faces. This shows how valiant they were. And Benaniah slew both of them. He came up against, a, the Bible says, a goodly Egyptian. It was describing what a mighty Egyptian warrior. And he took the man's spear out of his own hand and slew him with his own spear. Benaniah was a tough dude. But he was an armor bearer for the king. Learned to be an armor bearer. Be a disciple, be generous, be an armor bearer. Be connected and involved in church. And then be blessed. And I want all the ladies to please stand. We're going to receive this blessing. 
As I said, this is, I want everybody to understand the gravity of this. Here's a generous man that we all count as a spiritual father. And the last thing he does from his pulpit of 66 years is he speaks a blessing over us. The Jews believe this to their core. And they're the most blessed ethnicity in the world by far. No other ethnicity comes close. But every week they hear this blessing spoken over them. Every week of their life, every Friday night, it's spoken over. And I want us to listen on this Father's Day. And everyone, everyone online. Everyone lift up your hands now. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and to his son, saying, On this wise shall ye bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel. And I will bless them. Now, praise God with those hands. Lift them up and praise Come God. Come on, let's praise God with these Hallelujah. hands. Come on, just praise God with your hands now. Amen. That's the ironic blessing. The Lord bless thee. The Lord keep thee. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee. The Lord lift up his countenance over thee and give you peace. And you'll put my name on your children. And God's commitment is I will bless them. Hallelujah. Come on. today. We thank you for this worship service, for everyone that's been a part of it, everyone watching online. And now we pray your blessings. In Christ's name we pray. And everyone said amen. The eConnect Serve class is meeting. God bless you. Shake hands. 
Be back tonight for the revival service at 6 o'clock. Amen.